Look at the hustle of Lamar Odom. Off to Kobe Bryant! And Kobe with emphasis. Artest looking, gets it to Bryant. Bryant dribbling, has to put it up with the buzzer. Banks it in! <laughs> he banks in the three! And the Lakers win the game! Long run out by Kobe Bryant. Behind the back. Welcome to the Truckers Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. All right, man. Episode 96. Um, yeah, it's it's been a pretty inconvenient day. Um, earlier, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi and eight passengers passed away um, due to a helicopter crash. Now, it just it's put it puts you in a bad um, frame of mind when you get this type of news. Actually, Keith had texted me while I was heading out of town, and I was just like, huh? And I just kept driving, and then I checked it on my phone, and it showed Kobe was gone. I was like, fuck, who else is on the plane? So for over an hour or some change, I'm driving around not knowing who else is on the plane with him. And then I go to social media, and everybody supposedly knows all oh, was, you know, it was four of his daughters, or it was Rick Fox. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? A lot of misinformation, just really overall bad day all around. Uh, but I'll... Uh, I didn't even mention the fact that we had a guest. We got DJ <laughs> What's going on, y'all? No, it's I, ironic, too, because it's, it's your third time. Yeah. You know, the Lakers was kind of known for the three-peats and whatnot. So. Yeah. yeah, man. I also think it's ironic that this is episode number 96, and he was drafted in 96. Dang. Wow. Crazy, right? Crazy. We're going to find any more... Uh, any more... Uh, and you got an L.A. hat on. Right. Yeah, L.A. hat. And then DJ has that edge up going on. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a Kobe edge up, man. <laughs> My barber got mamba mentality. <laughs> <laughs> right, a long man. day of cutting, he just got to push through it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. What are your thoughts on it, DJ? Uh, uh, I don't know what my exact thoughts are. I, I can just say that. So when we. Hold when up, we, hold up, hold up. You got the mic backwards. Yeah, yeah, backwards, man. Oh, my fault. You're supposed to be the sound guy, Eddie. What's going on? Ah, man, you sitting right next to him, man. I don't have no headphones on. Uh, Somebody let me know. I just, I don't be on the mic like that. (laughs) It was backwards. I just heard, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, let's go, dude. So, I don't know exactly, like, how I feel about the situation, like, 
specifically, but for me, uh, this is probably like the most hurt or most affected I've been by a death period because I haven't I haven't had to deal with losing like a right, you know, like a mom or a sibling or you know anything like that. So this is this been like the toughest day for me probably ever. That's real. I think for me, I wasn't as emotional as I thought I would be. Like, I think for for me, it was, um, I guess, a little bit different with Nipsey because he was um, kind of on the, the the cusp of doing what he wanted to do. Right. You know what I mean? He was, he was um, you know, just dropped his debut album and all these things. But for Kobe, it felt like, not that I learned everything that I could from him, but I I learned a lot. Like, he played his full career. He retired. Obviously, he was... I think Barack Obama said he was like on the um, at the beginning of a second act, right? As far as like yeah. doing the film and stuff like that. So, um, I definitely cried about it, and you know, the thing that I took from it the most is we always say this thing about ball is life, and I think um, like watching his career, you you learn so much from him playing this game of basketball that you could use in your, 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 your regular life. Like you see all the videos of him just dribbling the ball in the gym or him working out with the Olympic team and only being the only guy in there lifting weights or, yeah. you know, just always being that, I guess, the elder statesman of, you know, of it, of his peers. Even though he was, you know, so oftentimes the same age as certain people, he always had a, a certain wisdom about him, which came from, you know, coming into the NBA at 17 years old. So yeah. um, just so many lessons and, you know, definitely that, that, that idea of the Mamba mentality. It's like you, like I was telling Eddie and DJ earlier, if you, if you were to like name off some of the things that he was able to do and able to accomplish, it would start to, uh, it would start to sound surreal in a sense, like scoring 81 points, um, scoring 60 on your way out. Your last game, you you beat up, you essentially uh, sat out the couple games before only so you could play your final game um, in the Staples Center. Yeah. Or, you know, shooting two free throws on a torn Achilles or – you know, just on, you know, on and on and on, you know, learning how to reshoot because you, uh, you broke your finger. And like, I remember that even that shirt that they had with basically all his injuries on it, mm. which was just pretty crazy how like, you know, a guy is battered and bruised, but he's still able to go out there and, and leave his, leave his, uh, pour his heart out on the court every night. Yeah. So I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's a representation of what we lack as human beings. Kobe did what most people don't. That's what made him special. A lot of us make excuses for every fucking thing. He broke his finger. Can I still shoot? Okay, I'm going to play. But us? Oh, I'm tired. I can't go to the gym. Oh, my finger hurts. I'm not going to work today. We're so pussyfied as a country and every single one of us, most of us, that we will find a convenient excuse for everything. And that's not what Kobe was. Kobe was the polar opposite of that. Kobe fucked his shoulder up. I remember he came on the other side of the basket, dunked it, fell on the ground and rolled. His shoulder was fucked up. He ran to the sideline and uh, uh, what's the trainer? Gary Vitti, right? Yeah. 
Vidi grabbed him and uh, one time he, he he pulled Kobe's finger out. It was dislocated. He fixed it and Kobe just went back in the game. He was grimacing on his face, went right the fuck back in. Then he fucked his shoulder up, went over to Gary Vidi again. It was hurting real bad, ended up finishing the game. Like, this is just, I, I think that when you think of a Nipsey Hussle and Kobe Bryant, they were just at different stages. Kobe got to complete his career in, in, in regards to his craft, which was basketball. He completed that. And he created so many milestones that it's undeniable. First ballot Hall of Fame, baby. But Nipsey was at the at a stage where he was still ascending. That's what makes them different. But when you look at both of these guys, Nipsey and Kobe Bryant, you just have two guys that are like at the Mount Rushmore of motivation, like where you want to be. And that's what hurts more than anything. When you see somebody that didn't make excuses and now they're gone, you're just left with like, fuck. You know, what else or what other person do we have that's anything like either one of these men? Yeah. Yeah. And you you said that uh, what Kobe did was really what we all should be doing. 100%. And it's weird because we know that we all should be doing it. Right. And the fact that there was somebody who did it almost made him, like, not human. Right. To the point where when you hear that he died, it's like, he's not supposed to die. Like, Right. Like he like literally viewed as a superhero. Like you, if you'd have told me tomorrow uh, Kobe's Kobe's helicopter is going to crash, I still probably would have been like, he probably would survive. I saw him. I saw, I saw him get up from tearing his Achilles. Like right. if you've ever seen anybody tear their Achilles, these are these are people who have to get carried off the field or off the court. Or yeah, he get up on his own, walk to the free throw line, make two free throws. And in his mind, it's like, how can I continue the game? I'm still going to finish the game. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to finish. So it's almost like he became immortal just by doing, like you said, what we all should be doing. Yeah. But people like this, it's almost like they exist for a reason. It's not like it's not like just because he's a great basketball player. I just think that there's a much deeper lesson to be learned Mm -hmm. than just a he. Oh, he played basketball. You know, it's much deeper than that. You know, there's there is and there's some people that have never played any sports that have that same type of, you know, when I think of Martin Luther King, that's somebody I think of in a legendary status, somebody that didn't respond with violence, but he cut you with words, mm-hmm. somebody that led by example, that led a movement. Don't, these are Kobe Bryant, Nipsey Hussle, uh, Martin Luther King, all these type of men are the ones that that give me motivation mm-hmm. and. To see them gone, it's like their body of work is a lesson in itself. It it tells their whole story. Like if you had to write, a, if you wrote a book, obviously your birth is chapter one, and at the end of that book, we don't know how many chapters it has or has or how many pages we have in that book. But at the end of that book, we hope to try to achieve as much as we can, try to leave your mark, you know. And I feel like Kobe did an amazing job with his book. Yeah. Yeah. I think this today made me view um, like death differently, though. Hundred percent. I think um, I wouldn't say I was never like ever really scared of dying. There's always this like fear of the unknown, right? But um, just the way he went out was like not that that there's an ideal way of going out, but right. that was like the way to go out. Like you're going to your daughter's basketball Wait, there game. There you go. Um, you know and. If you know, if it were you know up to me, that 
would I would be the ideal way to do it. Like doing what you love, like you know, with with who you love. Yeah, right, exactly. So um, yeah, it just had me, you know, thinking about like, man, I, you know, you obviously never know when your time is going to be up, but it would suck if I was if you know something t- were to be happening to me and I was just at home eating a donut or something. Yeah, it'd be terrible. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you never want to die on your back. Uh-huh. I think you want to die doing what you love doing. Yeah. Or at least trying to pursue something great. Yeah. Sorry, you were about to say something, DJ? Yeah, it just... Um, so I just thought about like when, when Kobe retired, you know, athletes always have a difficult time um, you know, with being done. It's like, what do I do now? Exactly. One thing he would always say was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine not playing anymore because when I look back at my career... I know for an absolute fact that like I left it all on the court. Mm-hmm. Like I, everything I wanted to do, I may not have like achieved it, but you're not gonna be able to say I didn't. You know, I didn't give him all. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the same thing like applies to like his whole life. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's important that you set goals so high that even if you don't achieve them, you come goddamn close to them. Yeah. And by the time by the end of the day, you'll be like, wow, I can't believe I really did that. I may not be happy with the full picture, but look at everything that I did. That's why at the end of the day, like no one knows when their time is going to end. I just think that, you know, putting things off like, you know, next week, next week, I'm going to do that. Like, that's not the that's really not the attitude to have because we don't know when we're going to be gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I told Keith, uh, I hit him up today. I said, what you doing Saturday, man? Next week. He was like, I'm not sure. I might be shooting a video. I might be doing this. I was like, "Okay," because I'm jumping out of plane next week. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I told I've been telling him about this. I was like, I got to jump out of plane because I'm a, I'm scared to do it. Mm-hmm. Since I'm scared, I'm gravitating towards my fears because I'm going to die anyways. If I die jumping out that plane, I was going to fucking die anyways. Yeah. But I think you leaning into your fears is going to take you further than being frozen and not doing anything. Yeah. And um, I just want everybody to listen to this podcast. Like, don't don't question your mortality when you see an icon die we all know we're going to die i think that when you you look at a guy like kobe you're like fuck kobe's dead oh my god because we ultimately we fear death most people do mm-hmm. but they don't do enough while they're living they wait till they see somebody else that's in their family that you know dies of of uh, sclerosis of the liver for them to stop drinking alcohol that's all the people bro- yeah shit people don't people don't do anything till shit gets real Mm-hmm. Until shit gets serious, that's when they start getting real. But yeah. we need to take these situations and not only learn from them, but apply them to us. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh one other thing that stood out was um just one I think uh what's it? Rachel um what's Nichols. It? Yeah, Rachel, Rachel Nichols. Nichols. We were watching that video earlier. I didn't, I didn't and she was just talking about how um how he was extremely curious, like, you know, speaking multiple languages, yeah. like reading books, um, you know, just learning about business and his downtime and, you know, just just had a, a curiosity a, about the world. It's, it's something that, you know, I think we should all um, have that or try to strive for that same sort of characteristic because that's, that's the reason he was really able to transition so seamlessly from basketball is because right. even though he dominated basketball for so many years and he was extremely good he always 
um, had this ability to, you know, read a book probably when he was on a plane heading to, you know, whatever teams on the East Coast or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, have all these little uh, banks of information and, uh, you know, things that he was like, okay, cool. So when my time is done, um, I'm going to be able to transition to this. I'm going to be able to write a book. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to, but also like um, still being able to coach, still being able to uh, gather 20, 25 NBA players and hold camps and, you know, just passing on the game. Um, and that's that's part of, you know, we always have like these GOAT conversations and people don't realize that it's so much more than than just the sport you're playing. Yeah. It's about the way you communicate with people. It's about, you know, how 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 you give back to your fans. Um, it's about even, you know, being a father like he wasn't yeah. necessarily I think only recently after he stopped playing, did he start to look like a legit father right it's hard to be you know it's hard to you got 82 games you're going to the playoffs Mm -hmm. you you know you're in off season and stuff like that but um i think that was one of the things i saw too is like when i seen people posting pictures it was it i don't know how people posted these pictures but i could tell that the pictures that the people posted meant something to them like individually like there were parents that i seen or people with kids on the way or whatever that posted pictures of him and his daughter that were like, um, you know, certain people that were, you know, businessmen or whatever that posted certain pictures. I was like him working out or, you know, him, you know, at, at certain stages in his career. And I was just like, that was just one thing that stuck out to me. I was like, dang, this is crazy. Like, yeah, there's all these like, you know, like a picture is worth a thousand words. So all these different pictures posted by these different people. And you could tell like, whatever significant even you know him being a, a a husband was like one of the ones that i've seen i was like oh yeah. you know it's it's so, it crazy i think that um and this is co- not completely left but it's kind of somewhat on on the path you were talking about i think when they when people talk about women's empowerment you know and they they show men like marching and stuff that to me is not a form of empowering women if you want to empower women be a solid father and a solid example and that's what kobe bryant was doing and he had it you know he was Literally taking her to WNBA games, taking her to NBA games. He was raising this young lady to be somebody productive out in the world. And that's to be applauded. You know, when you when you look at certain people, too, they just built different. Like Kobe Bryant, you talk about him in his in his in his uh, mean or in his short time where he's on a trip to a game or something, reading books. It said the same thing about Nipsey Hussle. Lauren London was talk about him like, you know, putting his headphones in and, you know, reading books and checking out stats and looking up different things some people just are really curious because they want to be better um and all those things trickle down and you they trickle down into your children they see this ultimate example of being productive and what that is and it bleeds into the children they talked about um nipsey hustle's daughter and how she was basically raised like a grown woman yeah you know what i'm saying and that trickled down from her father. The same thing going down from Kobe to his daughter, taking her, taking her to all these games and growing her knowledge of the game. And I think that's powerful. And it, and it's it's really hurtful to see, you know, Gianna um, dying in that crash. That shit yeah. ate me up, man. Um, but uh, if there's a grand lesson to be learned here, um, but I just think from person to person, it'll be a little different. Yeah. Another... Uh character because you guys talked about the curiosity Mm -hmm. that well like you said both he and nipsey shared Mm -hmm. um 
they also share a, the characteristic of just pure like fearlessness. Right there where, you go. Where it's like, no matter what, I'm gonna do what I what I want to do. Right. And not be not be afraid to do it simply because I understand that I can die doing something that's routine to me. It doesn't right. have to be something drastic for you. Like you said, you're jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. People would say, I'm not jumping out of an airplane. I could die. Right. Okay. You can go to sleep tonight and you could die. And also. you could be done. And then, you, then you're gonna yeah. re, you're gonna regret not jumping out of the plane while you're alive. Yeah, and I think that's what people should pay attention to. Right. Kobe was doing something that he does every single day. Right. There was there was never a thought of like, yo, you want to do something wild today? Let's get in the helicopter. Right. And this is I do this every day. There's no worry. We all good. We're gonna be at the game in however many minutes. We're fine. And then all of a sudden it's over. So you just got to be fearless, and that will help you literally in life like you'll be happier that way because there's so many things that we're all scared to do and then we do them and it's like i'm so glad i did that rob you took the words out of my mouth because you after you do something new or something you're afraid of you have that moment like oh man i'm glad i tried that yeah and then once you once you break into it and you're doing it then it's people like yo how'd you do that yeah now everybody's like wow i didn't know you did that how'd you do it well i i stopped being a bitch that's exactly. <laughs> and I, that's I, all I did. I know you said we were going to talk about like the uh, the comedy thing later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I experienced that with stand up comedy. One hundred percent. Where where I had so much fear that I would give stupid reasons for not doing it. Like <laughs> there was a point where I literally said, "I don't want to do that because I feel like I'm going to be good at it, what? <laughs> and I want to I want to be successful as an actor and as a." So I don't want to do stand up for it. I don't want to be known for it. And it was just all going into like a million other excuses as to why I'm just scared to get up there. Yeah, you're just full of shit. Yeah, basically. <laughs> we, we literally we literally will make a thousand excuses up right. just so we don't have to say I'm scared or as Eddie would say I'm being a bitch. <laughs> I'm not saying it, you were. Um, yeah. but the thing about it uh <laughs> Is yeah, and, and I think that the number one thing I don't want to do is die of regret. And mm-hmm. um, me getting up on stage the first time, I just kind of said to myself, like, I have to do it. We were doing an episode with Caesar. I think it was episode twenty. And on that episode, I was like, Yo, I've been telling myself like I got to do comedy. Like I just have these feelings of me having to do something that I haven't done. I kind of gravitate to it like indirectly, and I'm like, I have to do it. And lo and behold, I hopped on stage. Had fun. I was pretty nervous. Did all right. Second time, eh, whatever. But each time you go up, you build confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's like you start to, it's just like shooting a jump shot, right? When you're a little kid, you barely hit the rim. You get a little more strength. You shoot more shots. Then you start hitting the backboard. Then you actually start making the shots. Then you start missing some and making them. Then you start making a bunch of them once you shoot a couple hundred a day. Yeah. So everything, you get better with something uh, repetitiously. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you, you have to start. Yeah. And most people never make it there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the hardest part. Yeah. I had a lot of people showing me love like, oh man, I didn't know you did open mics, blah, blah, blah. I'm a guy that does open mics whenever I can. I'm usually busy during the week and I had the day off and Keith also challenged me. Right. Cause, uh, we were doing a podcast and somebody's like, yeah, man, you need to get to the open mic. I was like, <laughs> I was like. What? He's like, yeah, man, we got one Thursday. You need to show up, man. And I was like, I might be at work. I don't know. He's like, well, you get off of work. You need to show up, man. I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, 
I'm not trying to hear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I, that's why I love Keith, man. He, he holds me accountable. Yeah. You know, I hold myself accountable, but when I'm not doing something, he'll be like, you think you're pretty sure you could do that? I'm pretty sure you could do that, man. And I'll be like, oh. But yeah. you got to do it because you shouldn't be making excuses in the first place. Yeah, mm-hmm. stop, stop making excuses and start making decisions. That's what it is. Right, 100%. Mm-hmm. You tried to drop a gym there, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get some quotables on here. I just made it up. Trying to get some Dalai Lama moments. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I think one of the things that uh, was cool, you just watching that that ESPN highlight, and Mm -hmm. um, I was just uh, I was thinking about just the 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 variety of like facial expressions that you see from Kobe. Right. But this like, you know, we probably remember vividly uh, the, the final series versus Celtics of game seven. He's dog tired. Yeah. Getting rebounds, shooting free throws, like, you know, just sweating and, you yeah. know, in anguish all over his face or, you know, when he started sticking out his teeth and like, yeah. he had the little underbite going or like yeah. just all these different, uh, different facial expressions. And, yeah. um, but all like pushing towards one goal is of trying to win championships and trying to be the greatest basketball player or greatest person you could be. So, yeah. People like Kobe and Jordan come once, like every 50, <clears throat> 60 years. Yeah. That's what people don't understand. When you think of a guy like Kobe Bryant, you're not just getting a basketball player. You're getting a guy that is willing to be the best player on the court, but not only outwork everybody on the court, but also be the example that, hey, you better play up or you won't be on the Lakers next season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hold, hold, hold everyone around them accountable. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And One thing that I thought was interesting was they said that Kobe didn't actually talk a lot. Hmm. They said he was, you know, of course, you, you get these snapshots of like him communicating with players and whatnot. But yeah. they said he wasn't like a, a rah-rah kind of guy. No. They said he was more of a, a lead-by-example type mm-hmm. of player. And I was like, dang, that's um, almost like the opposite of what I thought. I thought he was a person that obviously yelled at players sometimes and yeah. Sasha Vujicic and all these guys. But, yeah. um, you know, that was, that was just interesting. I, I, think that, <laughs> I think that when you're like that, leading by example is really the easiest way. 100%. Because – Players should look at you or just people around you should look at you and say, as great as he is, he's doing that still. So who am I to not follow that? Right. Like, I'm nowhere near that. Right. hundred percent. So I bet you Kobe was the type of dude that you would be getting taped up or you'd be getting iced up and you'd be late to practice because you're getting iced up, your knee hurting and stuff. And then Kobe walked down the hallway with two ice, uh, two packs of ice on his knees walking to practice. And he look at you and just shake his head. Mm-hmm. Like you taking a break, motherfucker, and I'm not mm-hmm. soft. Yeah, <laughs> soft. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's crazy, man. I, I just I don't want to regurgitate too many of the same points, but what I we'll get back to more on Kobe specifically. But I, I was incredibly upset with the internet, not only the internet, but these fake news sources. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them just want to be first instead of be factual, yeah. and they're putting out bullshit. First, it was a story about Rick Fox being on the plane. Then it was a story about all four of his daughters being on the plane. And it's like, you don't know what to believe. And I called my dad and he was hysterical, like, man, Kobe and all his daughters. I said, dad, dad, relax, relax. You got to wait for the whole story. I'm not supposed to laugh at that. Yeah, I know. You're not supposed to laugh. (laughs) Yeah. This is a great impersonation of your dad. (laughs) 
Yeah, my boss be dead. He was like, oh my God, I can't believe. I was like, dad, 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 dad. Just wait. This is wait. I was like, the sources, the people, the, the stories people are sharing you are bullshit. Don't fall for it. Yeah. And I said, just wait. Just wait for it. And then the, the true stories are going to come out. Yeah. And, um, I was just, it's just shame on you. If you share links about all four of his daughters being gone, or you yeah. share links of Rick Fox being gone, be a, you should be ashamed. And if you also were the person that kept sharing that fucking video of the plane going down, you should be ashamed. And a lot of y'all, I seen some of y'all got kids and y'all kept sharing it. Man, I pray to God you don't go through that. I pray that you don't lose your child because you see that plane going down. His baby was on there, bro. Mm-hmm. They was probably hugging those kids as that plane went down. And you want to keep showing that fucking video over and over and over? What are you, stupid? Yeah. It's like it's just like the little bit of empathy that we had left as a country has been completely removed by the Internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like unplugging uh, appliance from the wall. You know, there's no more. There's no more empathy left. It's we're, it's it's to me, it's hard for me to accept. But Fuck. Where are we going? Yeah. There was even, I've seen like different verified accounts from different news outlets in different states and, right. and stuff and cities. And uh, they were just sharing false information. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're supposed to uh, be, um, those are the, you know, those are supposed to be like true and true. Like we're supposed 100%. to be able to look towards. A, a, a news station's Twitter account or Instagram account in, you know, everything they're supposed to say is factual, but right. it's just sad when, you know, like you said, they're just trying to be first. Yeah. They're just trying to break the news. These news sources don't have empathy either. They don't give a fuck. They just like, we got to be first to break the story, man. We got to get Kobe Bryant, man. We got to find out who else is on there. I think his daughter's on there. Let's just tell everybody. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah. That's somebody's family on there, man. I can only imagine. I I pray that Vanessa Bryant gets some type of I hope I pray that like a Lauren London or somebody can reach out to her because nobody can comprehend the amount of loss that Vanessa Bryant has. She lost her baby and she lost her husband. Mm -hmm. And you motherfuckers want to keep sharing this bullshit. Yeah. Like and then not I'm not not even really sports journalists that are doing it because they're actually doing a great job by reporting it. It's these Twitter accounts that are fucking it up. It's these fictitious websites that are sharing it just to do it. And then it's people that we all know probably that are sharing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a shame, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've got more. What's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, that meme. With that dude from the old uh, OxyClean commercial. But wait, here's more. You <laughs> <seen that>? mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. Um, ultimately, what I take from it is this. Um, initially, a few years ago, or just been, so been around two years, I lost a good friend of mine, Randy Turner. And rest in peace. But after he had passed on, um, I remember I was taking a load out to Bishop. And uh, as I was driving down Highway 14 or 395, Excuse me. Um, I just was looking at the mountains and looking at the clouds and I was just taking it all in. And I was like, you know what? This is going to all end someday. This is going to end for me. This is going to end for people I love, whether I'm gone first or people I love are gone first. It's going to happen inevitably. And I'm just trying to soak this in as much as I can before this shit's all over with. 
And I think that a lot of us don't realize that life is a privilege. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege. And it's also something that we need to take. Um, we need to take more seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of us act like we want to die instead of want to live. Or to act like you you know for a fact you're going to live to 80. Right. I heard, I heard someone say um, there's only two ways to, basically to live life. You can either live life living or you can live just merely like surviving. Like you oh, just man. you're just waiting on the you're just waiting on the day for you know for it to be over, right? Rather than actually enjoying it while it's here, right? Yeah. And, and and I'll say this to both of you: I'm very proud of both of you, and the reason why yes. is because you're both going for it, and I respect that. And I yep. think that a lot of people don't recognize it because they're not doing anything. They rather pay attention to people that you know act the part instead of actually do the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those people are going to get. At, you're at the beginning of your journey still. You haven't even scratched the surface. But once you start to ascend beyond a certain level and people are like, wait a minute. Wait, look at what is Keith talking to Samuel Jackson? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Oh, man, DJ was over there talking to so-and-so. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, until you reach that level, people aren't really going to notice. But I think that the work you guys are doing is incredible. Um, I'm just glad to be affiliated with you guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that giving people their flowers is important. Yeah. So that's why, you know, I'll let them know on air, off air that I'm proud of them. You know, it may not be much coming from me, but I am. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think that as long as you're going for it, you won't have any regrets because your story is going to, your life is going to tell a story when you're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're gone, they're going to be like, you know, I'm not trying to make, give any examples of either you two. I'm not going there, but I will say the mm-hmm. uh, regardless, I'll use myself. My time ends. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I want people to understand that we did X amount of podcasts that, you know, I was attempting to grow this business and this business and do this and that I had already started doing this. And then once I pass, my story will speak for itself. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have that than be the motherfucker that just drank beer every weekend and worked a job and didn't care about nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, basically, uh, it goes back to just. Like leaving it all on the floor, right? Exactly. Then, then you don't have any regret. You don't feel like a failure, even if you didn't. So, when Kobe say, "I want to be as great as Michael Jordan," but he ends up with only five rings, most people would say, "Well, you didn't get to six, so you're a failure." Mm, right? He's like, "It doesn't matter that I didn't get to six. I left it all on the floor, right? Yeah, and came up short in the ring category. But I know that, I know that I didn't, you know, take anything with me." It's all, you know, it's all on the floor, basically. Right. And it's funny how a person sitting on the couch would be the one that like, but you didn't get the six ring like Jordan. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, um, you work at Rite Aid. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can yeah. say anything yeah. about me. How about you clean up that spill on aisle four? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, too, that uh, when, we in, when we're in the pursuit of something, of right. something right. like something like big, mm-hmm. you got to understand that uh, setbacks are not failure. No. You literally only fail when you quit. A hundred percent. So we can equate it to going to college. If you start college at 18 mm-hmm. and by the time you're 19, you've already dropped out. But later on, you go back at 35 mm. and you end up finishing. You technically didn't fail at college. No, no you like didn't. It, it got done. There were just setbacks. True. Don't, yeah, don't let setbacks feel like failure. A hundred percent. Because then you're going you're gonna to end up quitting. A hundred percent. That's a great point. And uh, I'm going on 35 soon um, in March. 
and uh, I dropped out of college. So I think, <laughs> I, I think you're talking about me. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> if the shoe fits, wear it, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, man. That's funny. I think one one thing that's really interesting is that um, I I'm glad all of us, even that we're um, able to say that. We looked up to guys like Nipsey and uh, and Kobe, right? But um, they weren't the catalyst right. to our uh, careers or to to doing what we wanted to do. It was almost like a uh, like an awakening in a sense or right. a reminder, but it wasn't it wasn't something that was like, "Hey, man, I got to get off my ass now." Like Kobe Bryant, you know, I got to get the mama mentality. That's a man. great point. It was already like you know we were already we were already going to do the podcast anyways. True, so that's a great like point. we were already doing stand up anyways. Like we start we did that before Nipsey Hustle passed a hundred percent. Right, and even this year we already kicked it up more. Like right, and you have never been to the open mics before, and we've only right. missed like one week. Right, um, this yeah. whole year. So it's just like I think that's that's dope that um, like we're already doing it, but. You know, still using these guys as as reminders that we gotta 100%. ramp it up. But I, I think that people like Nipsey Hustle um, and Kobe are like a pillar, and they're a, a constant reminder. They're almost like uh, um, it's kind of hard to explain. But even if you're doing the work and you're trying to get where you want to be, you look at them and you see exactly where how much work you still need to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You may be on path, but it's something you're not doing. Like mm-hmm. I, I tell Keith, I told him recently, like this, I could be doing something more. I could be trying. I got to find something to invest in. Like I'm a one trick pony, dude. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I work a job and, you know, I got to figure out what else I could do with myself. There's something better that I could be doing with my time. Yeah. And I was like, I just don't know what it is. But uh, he was like, yeah, you'll figure it out, man. I would look up shit on YouTube and try to find ideas and. Uh, yeah, I think even, you know, with uh, like I was telling you, I was like, it, it's going to be something that you're interested in and then right. you're just going to find money doing it. like for me, it's like electronics. Like I love looking up computers and stuff. So I found a way to like make some sort of passive income, you know, just basically reselling electronics. But even like with Kobe Bryant and Nipsey, it's like their passive income was um, like energy not energy drinks but sports drinks and yeah. like clothing respectively so i mean it's just a it's just a tangent to um what they're doing as their their main source of uh their main love or their main desire and then you know you just find something tangential to that True. that could you know make you some money i think what it is is um it's just identifying well first finding out who you are and then identifying what you're passionate about right because like how you say you ha- you make passive income selling electronics, you wouldn't do that if you weren't passionate about electronics. Or you wouldn't sure. be successful at it. You, you you can't just say I can make a bunch of money doing this and think you're gonna go make a bunch of money doing it. Right, great yeah. point. Mm-hmm. It has to be something you're passionate about. So Kobe says, I play basketball. I love Gatorade and all that. Why not make my own, you know, Gatorade or invest in my own type of like sports drink? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nipsey is like, well, I love wearing clothes. I mean, I like this endorsement deal with Puma. But what if I got my own? Mm-hmm. And it's just a different level of thinking. Basically, just ownership, which is what you know Nipsey yeah. always talked about. Yeah, ownership, and like you mentioned, um, something along your path that you want to invest in, yeah. and also you know having this 
uh, long-term goal in mind. I'm sure that they 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 don't just do things where the wind blows. I'm sure they have you know uh, like plans. Yeah, and they they have like uh, they have the foresight to see you know where this is going to take them. Mm-hmm. You know, a person that goes to the gym and shooting over a thousand shots is like, yo, I'm gonna be in the finals, so I need to make sure I do this. That's a plan. That's a yeah. long-term plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 have like this. Um, kind of hard to explain but you have the sense of where you where, where you think your life's going to be you're just getting ready for it a gps mm-hmm. yeah a GPS? i think what? i think like okay. basically <laughs> basically you can't get on the freeway and just be driving you got to know exactly where you're going yeah, i don't need a gps though i'm a truck driver yeah see you different <laughs> so <laughs> you live life uh exit by exit <laughs> <laughs> Most of us can't go just day by day. We got you. Kind of want to have a, a roadmap to your, you know, your success. Very or true. Whatever. It's mm-hmm. literally it's a journey. You're not about to take a journey and not know where you're going. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So, yeah, that's real. I think uh, one of the other things that I think what what makes a guy like Kobe successful in different areas is um, is just the competitiveness. You you kind of you know initially starts out as basketball or you know just playing at a park or whatever, but then you know like once you're um, once you start doing different endeavors, I don't know for sure, but I, I imagine there was some sort of conversation like yo body armor is going to be like the next Gatorade or body armor is going to be the next Powerade or vitamin water or whatever. Um, so I think that you know that's one thing that you know us as like former athletes and stuff we could we could utilize that too. Like even when we go do our stand ups and stuff like that, right. <clears throat> we're not competing against one another, no. but at the same time it's like yo, like I want to do I want to do good because that laughing, mm-hmm. you know, when people laughing at your jokes, it's like a euphoric feeling. So one hundred percent, you know, I just try to like take that competitiveness and in, uh, into everything that I do. Yeah, I think that in regards to doing stand up, we'll get into that here next. But regards to doing stand up, it's like um, when you get up there and people are laughing at at your jokes, it's just reaffirming the belief you have in yourself already. Yeah, yeah. it's like I knew I was funny, I knew it. But then I told that joke about pussy and it didn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> gotta take that joke down. Yeah, and a lot of times it doesn't mean that. Sometimes you just gotta refine the joke. But I don't want to kill the next topic too much. Mm. Yeah, another thing um, I think that will help. A lot of us, um, we got to get rid of insecurities mm. because I think that being insecure stops you from asking questions and, and growing mm. because That's you don't want to look at somebody. So Kobe doesn't know anything about the uh, like sports drink energy, but by not being insecure and like you said, being curious, you're able to say, hey, I'm not very educated in this. Can you teach me? Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to be like, well, I don't want to ask because I don't want to seem like I know it. Like I don't know it all. Or and then not being insecure helps you help the people coming up behind you. So that's true. When he said earlier that he was ha- holding camps for other NBA players, yeah, he could easily have been like, "I'm Kobe Bryant. I don't want any of you to know what I know. I don't want you to catch me true. in legacy anything. Y'all figure it out on your own." But instead, it's like, "I'm not insecure. Come in here and get all this, all this knowledge. Whatever y'all yeah. want to know, I got you." Yeah, he's had a lot of guys. Tatum. Um, it's Tatum and Kuzma and all kinds of other Kawhi, players. Kyrie, Kawhi. Kyrie, yeah. yeah like these are guys who like like a guy like Kawhi Leonard who legitimately can people can one day say, like, well, he might be better than Kobe. And it's like, I don't care about that. Like yeah. I'm already done. Do what you do. Hey, you're yeah. not insecure. When you're already great and you're aware of what you're doing, you don't you don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Like I hope you're great too. 
Yeah. And I'm not, it doesn't reduce anything. It doesn't take anything away from me helping you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's At all. we even say that about other comedians around town. Right. So right. Like, so, like, uh, how you, how you say you went to the rocket shop for the first time? Uh, second time. Or second time. I went the first time to see you, you didn't guys. perform. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, the guy, Sean, that was in there. Mm-hmm. Like, he did really well. I, I actually told him to come, and it was just like, I could see just from how he is on the internet. Yeah. You really could do this. And it was never like, well, I think it'd be really good and I don't want to tell him to come because he might get better than me at it. Right. It's just like, nah. I'm not like, you being good does not make me not good. Right. <laughs> like, You're putting a ceiling on yourself. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can never get that good. So let me make sure he doesn't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Just don't. I hope yeah. you're better than me. That's yeah. I'm fine with that. It's all good. If, 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 I, if I became a millionaire in any capacity, and I'm making $7 million a year. And then I talk to DJ and I mentor him. And now he's worth $70 million. I did my job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told Keith that before. I'm like, Keith, if, if Keith is a billionaire and I got $100 million, I'm not going to be like, <laughs> oh, right. Keith yeah. has a billion. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. yeah. Keith the type of nigga to get a billion just go off the grid. Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely Keith will have happening. a beard down to his feet. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> he be looking like a, like a black Rick Rubin. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I can't, I can't go off the grid. I like, I like people too much. Yeah. Has yeah. anybody seen Keith? I ain't seen him in like 12 years, man. <laughs> that nigga have some sandals on at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> with John Munn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the cool thing about it. he's a very low maintenance dude. Yeah. So he's the type of guy that will be worth a billion dollars and spend like seven dollars a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll buy a burrito from Taco Bell. <laughs> I went through my I was just telling uh one of my friends this earlier, and uh, this is like a tangent, not talking about Kobe Bryant. Right, but, right, right. Um we we're just I was talking about like how frugal people are usually the most or rich people are usually the most frugal people uh-huh like um warren buffett for instance like mm-hmm. he buys his breakfast based on the market what so if the market is up like he i forget what it is exactly but basically he gets a like a sausage egg mcmuffin mm-hmm. and um i think if that's his, his, his just plain normal breakfast is also always like a sausage egg mcmuffin if mm-hmm. the market is up he might get like a coca-cola with it Wow! If the market is down, he'll just get his um his regular sausage egg. Yeah, see, wow! See, this where uh, this where I come in. And be like, that's that how that's that's dope, right? Yeah. But like at the same time, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not checking the I'm not checking the market for my breakfast. Yeah, damn. But that's, that's just like that's just like the mentality they be having, and yeah. even like, but. Um, there's like cultural differences, you yeah. know what I mean? So something that we may s- save money on, um, they may spend more money on or, and vice versa. Mm. Like, you know, his house is, is, it's not the biggest house, but it may be, you know, bigger than some other people with the same, same amount of money. So, yeah. but he's, he's extremely frugal. Like to, to me, like the way that he makes money is just a sport. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's just like, it's just like a competitive thing. What is it. his net worth <clears throat> now? Uh, I don't know. I can look it up though. It's probably like seventy billion somewhere. Seventy? Is he still on top? No, you got guys like um, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Jeff Um, Bezos worth is he worth over a hundred? Eh. I know he got a a divorce and his wife got thirty billion. 
That sound crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Ain't no girl ever getting. She must say her billion for me. Her pussy must be gold plated. <laughs> it's God like damn. Eighty-seven point three. How much billion for Warren Buffett? How much? Eighty-seven point three billion. Wow, man. Crazy. Can you imagine if he just walked in here and gave us a million dollars? He could literally do it. Yeah. A, a million dollars to him is probably equivalent to what? Like what? A penny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell, you need the sponsorship, man. I'm telling you. I'll just take 87.3 thousand right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, any, any final thoughts on Kobe, man? Nah. All right. We got well, God bless Kobe head. Bryant and his daughter Gigi. Rest in My peace. Thoughts and prayers are with that family and with uh, everyone that cared about Kobe Bryant, all of the Laker fans out there. We got to lean on LeBron this year to get us to the championship and bring it home, man. I think he's he going to do it, too. Yeah, that'd be a beautiful ending to yeah. the season. It don't. That, but that's ending. how story, you know, it always be story like, book. huh? Like you said, storybook. Yeah, it always, it, it usually, like weirdly, it plays out like that. Yeah. You know, you always get like, like even if the four, you know, fingers crossed if the 49ers make it happen, it's like just the, the, um, the underdog story. And you got Richard Sherman and Garoppolo and, uh, going, basically having a, uh, a lot, not there's no lottery pick in NFL, but like a, essentially a lottery pick last year and getting the second pick and Boza and like you know just these storybook endings that make yeah. But I think the biggest storybook course. ending or the, or the biggest connection in regards just to, in Kobe in general is Richard Sherman. We'll, we'll end it with this, but Richard Sherman had tore his Achilles, and one of the guys that reached out to him was Kobe Bryant, someone who also had that same injury. So, like, he had an impact on Richard Sherman, and now Richard Sherman's in the Super Bowl. This is just – it's the story is so deep. And then he just passed LeBron James. So you have all – well, LeBron James just passed Kobe in scoring. Yeah. And Kobe has a whole story about – I mean, LeBron has a whole story about Kobe. But, uh, yeah, I could talk about Kobe Tom blue in the face, and I don't want to do y'all like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, switching gears. Uh, <laughs> Open mic. Um, we went recently. Went all three of us went to open mic. Uh, plus uh, Kyrie, we all went to open mic, and I hadn't been in quite some time. And I had like I had some jokes written down on my phone, and I was like, "Fuck it, let me go there and see what I can do." And it was really fun. I had a really good time there. Listened to a lot of different comedians. Uh, some comedians had some dark humor. <laughs> you know, talking about uh, dealing with trans women and stuff like that, uh, shit like that. <laughs> but it's comedy though. It's comedy. You know, yeah, some of the shit's really hacky. Um, and you're just like, ah, yeah. But at the same time, I don't I would never heckle anybody or boo anybody or anything. I respect comedy too much and I am not a comedian. I'm simply a guy that is was on his day off and was able to do an open mic. And yeah. in order for me to even consider myself a comedian in any capacity, I need to do an uncountable amount of open mics and have a, a couple bits that would be amazing. Until then, I'm just a guy that's doing open mics. Mm-hmm. And um, Keith and DJ are much more ingrained into it than I am. But uh, uh, how was your experience, DJ? Uh, well, well, open mics in general, um, I like them just because they're great practice. Right. Um, that's literally how I view them. So sometimes uh, recently, <clears throat> just because I've gotten a little more like confident just from doing it more. Right. Recently, I've been going up a little more unprepared on purpose. Just because I feel like once I get to the point where I can go up unprepared, when I go up prepared, my performance will be better. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I've been using open mics for. 
But no. it's always fun. Switch know. it up, though, man. I would like, I mean, it would probably be better to be prepared each time so you can master that bit. But, but if what what works for you, though. Well, see, what what I found was um, <clears throat> I was I was literally writing every single thing. Like, mm-hmm. I had to write every single thing. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that those times where there was, it was one particular show that I was not happy with. And, of oh. course, everyone around you is like, no, you did good, you did good. Mm-hmm. But... It's like Keith said, like when you when you're a competitor, you always feel like you know. I know when I didn't do my best, yeah, so, yeah. and I knew exactly why. It, it came down to the the mental part of it, where it's like I memorized my set, I know I wrote everything, mm-hmm. but I just didn't feel like I practiced it enough, or I came up with it too late, or so. After that, it was like I need to get to the point where I don't have to be so prepared. Mm, I like, got you. Because for me, it was like, I literally have to have it like down packed, like perfect before I'm comfortable going up there. There you go. Instead of understanding that, you know what? It might not be completely perfect, but you're good enough to and funny enough to just go up there. And if you do lose it, you can get it back just by, you know, being yourself. There you go. Because that will, that's a distraction when you're up there and you know you're forgetting something. And it's like, what am I forgetting? um, What am I? um, Yeah. You know, you know. You know, it's like those little filler words. You be yeah, using. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the bitches be tripping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> holes. Clap you your hands. Like, if, <laughs> clap your hands if you got a nose in this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where are my people with the noses at? <laughs> Where the ladies at? Where the ladies at? Woo! Yeah, Y'all like bro. sucking dick? <laughs> That's how comedy shows go. Yeah, yeah. and that means they didn't lost. They yeah, didn't lost their way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, you gotta you gotta keep the crowd engaged. Say some shit and like, don't be like, oh, that's crazy. I, like if you for, just be transparent, they be like, dude, I done forgot my fucking jokes. God damn it! Yeah, and then just and I bust my phone. I have my phone up there and did my thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. I think for me, um, kind of, we've like I said, we we kind of started out uh, this this new year trying to go to the open mics more consistently, right? But the thing that I that I've been trying to work on is a little bit of that, like what DJ was saying, because, you know, the first time I went up there, I was like, the only way that I can feel comfortable going up there uh-huh. um, and not, you know, extremely anxious or, or, or nervous or whatever is to memorize everything that I that I wrote down or everything that I need to say. Because if I get up there and I don't know what I'm going to say, then I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna lose it and you know I'm gonna just be standing staring up there blank and you know even a couple times like I've been in cases where um, instances where I I did forget my joke and I just lost it and I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking and like it, you know it could get really awkward up there when you don't remember what you're gonna say right and you know you're basing everything on literally every single word you wrote down like if you yeah. forget the setup then the the, the punchline doesn't work or vice right. versa. So um, I've been going up there a little bit, a little bit more loose, like just with notes here and there. And then another thing that I, I've been wanting to work on is just crowd engagement. Yeah. Like uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that um, I think it was uh, Carlos Miller was talking about, like letting the audience know that you're there. So, um, you know, talking to people or um just the questions or, you know, making references to something that they can actually relate to inside of the thing versus like just reading off of a, of a piece of paper. Yeah. Cause you could lose engagement really quickly. Yeah. Know, one second feels like <clears throat> two minutes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when you actually go back and watch the film, you're like, oh, I didn't take that long. But when you're up there, it's different. Yeah. yeah. It's totally that, different. That crowd engagement is something that uh, I know, well, because me and Keith talked about it a lot. That's something that I really <laughs> had to work on. Ah. And the same, same with Keith, but it's just mm. from being like, I don't know. I guess it goes back to just thinking like on a whole like different level. Yeah. From the very first time I did stand up, I'm I'm already thinking as if like this is going to be a special one day. And when I see comedy specials, yeah, there's no crowd engagement. You're doing your set. You're not mm-hmm. mingling and, and talking to people in the crowd. So from the beginning, I was trying to write a special every time. <laughs> yeah. So so I had to kind of learn, and I'm still learning how to you know look at people in, in their face and like know what's going on. So yeah. like, I, well, you weren't at the Mark Curry show, were you? No. He he gave a lesson on like just being present. Like he was yeah. saying, like Carlos Miller said, you have to be present to the point where when he was up there, he told everyone no cell phones. Mm-hmm. And we were it's a big room we were in and it was full. Yeah. In the back of the room, like in the dark almost, there was a lady on her phone. Ooh. And he saw like he's in the middle of telling his jokes. And then he sees her. And I'm like, how did he like you literally have to see every single thing that's going on in the room? Because it's it's so second nature for him to tell a joke. I think with with us you know, telling a joke and recognizing everything else is kind of hard. But when a motherfucker has been doing this forever, he's like a quarterback. He could scan the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's scanning everywhere. Like, you know, what he could have did is like, you know, I was going to Compton the other day. Look at this bitch on her phone in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then everybody be laughing. Yeah. Because that's what comedy is. If you can engage people, that's going to give you a whole nother element. You yeah. could, if somebody heckles you, let's say you're in the middle of your set and you don't get distracted. And then finally, you'd be like, man, you shut the fuck up, you Homer Simpson-looking motherfucker. And everybody's <laughs> pointing and laughing at him. It's because you have that ace up your sleeve. Yeah. Like, telling jokes is only one element. This is why I know I'm so far from being a comedian. Because I got so much work to do. Yeah. Like, I scanned. I kind of was scanning it as I was telling the jokes. But then it was, it would like, it would take me away from the joke I'm about to set up next. Because my brain's not, it's not set up that way right now. Mm-hmm. God, I, need, yeah. I need work, man. Yeah. I think one thing too about the the crowd work. Yeah. It um I reference it to like freestyling. Like uh-huh. you know if you if some, if you know somebody's freestyling off the top of their head. Yeah. Um it doesn't you your your mic sounds a little funky. It sounds I I can't hear it. What's yeah, wrong you can't. With it? it sounds like like you're in outer space or something. In outer space? Like it's like yeah, man, you know, like, like it's, it's got, only started doing, it's doing that before or what? Uh, I really didn't recognize it too much because I, I took one mic in my ear out because <clears> one of them is kind of fucked up. Can you hear it, DJ? Uh, I can, it sounds regular to me. You sound fine though. I hear yeah. you fine, but your mic sounds, sounds a little sounds weird. weird. Sounds a little wonky, man. I don't know. I can't really do much about it now. All right. Now, you sound a little better now. Yeah, I but, think your, your beard was fucking it up or something. <laughs> 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 You're good. Go ahead. But um, I I liken it to like freestyling. Like you ever been in the crowd, with, you know, with some of your friends and yeah. somebody freestyling off the top of their head, and uh, you like, oh, that's dope. But if you knew that 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 same freestyle was written down, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of trash. Right. You know what I mean? But it's something yeah. about just off the top of the head, like right. off the cuff, that makes. Um, the audience or whomever listening, you know, that much more impressed. So that's what Prime crowd example. work is. This is what we're doing. This yeah. is not written down. It's yeah. a podcast. Yeah. That's why people like podcasts. It's not written down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry about that, Keith. He was mm-hmm. getting ready to say something. Yeah. I'm, that's, you know, that's pretty much it. So that's why I think, <laughs> you know, that the crowd work is important and it's yeah. important 
for uh for people to 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 kind of perfect that thing and you know we all watched that um or at least some of it that yeah. That um, the crowd work special that yes, Andrew Schultz did. Andrew Schultz. And it's just oh, like, yeah. yo, like yes. how dope is it that genius you have uh, comedy perfected so much that you go in with no material? Hundred yeah. percent. Schultz, yeah. Schultz is not the greatest comedian of all time, but that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Period. Yeah. Only, only because I, like I said, like that's been my biggest thing that I want to get is yeah. being able to just be more present. Yeah. And to see somebody go up there and. Like, hey, my boy said I should just go do all crowd work. Like, I'm gonna just try it and yeah. then go out there and really, like, how? I don't know. I can't even. I can't even fathom. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I think for me, it's even like more of a stretch because, um, like, I'm not a natural comedian. Like, I I got into this just because I actually like the writing aspect of it. Yeah. Or I'm ne- I was never the guy roasting on people at the lunch table or anything. Yeah. Like, I was pretty chill. So. Um, you know, it's it's been more of like an uphill battle, but I feel like um, it's it's like you said, we just facing our fears. So it's one of those things where, yeah. like, I'm in it for. I I don't know, like I'm I don't have these aspirations to have this comedy special or anything, yeah. but I do want to perfect this thing, yeah. Just because it's like like I'm I have that curiosity that's just like where 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 can this take you or like what's like the perfect joke or like I think that I can write a joke comparable to somebody that has a Netflix special. Yeah. I just, so, yeah. I just think doing new shit adds elements to who you are. Yeah. So if you're a guy that you, you race, you're a car racer, you know, you're a professional like NASCAR guy and you, you know, you retire and all of a sudden you want to start taking up basketball and you start mm-hmm. shooting around and asking questions and how can I shoot a jumper and things. You And even if you're not trying to be a fucking professional basketball player, you're just adding other elements to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you know you get a little older and you want to get your hands right and you start taking boxing lessons and then you get your CCW, you want to learn how to shoot a gun the right way or you want to pick up another language. All these curiosities add new elements to yourself. So there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you look at guys like Joe Rogan, who is a, who's a comedian, he's also uh, uh, I forgot what his belt is in karate. I think he's a uh, karate or jujitsu. I can't remember. He does jujitsu also, mm-hmm. but he's adding these elements to himself. Yeah. So when you talk, Joe Rogan has the ability to literally sit down and talk to everyone, and he knows a little bit about almost everything. Yeah. And when he doesn't know it, he's like Jamie, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Jamie looks it up on Google and shit. But yeah. For the most part, I think that that can make you a better comedian being a more worldly person yeah so that that's that's something i think that uh i think comedy has actually probably made me a better like a better worldly person because yeah. prior to doing stand-up mm-hmm. um i was super shy like 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 growing up i had real issues with like like maintaining like eye contact and wow. just just being like my regular self and people who meet me now would be like what you you shy Mm-hmm. But I was I was really like that guy that's like I don't want to talk too much, super quiet. I'm not speaking in front of you know a lot of people. I'm not trying to like if I go out, I'm not gonna be dancing none of that right. type of stuff. I'm was, like really in there yeah. like shy. Was I was so shy. People thought I was gay. I don't understand how that <laughs> translates to being gay. I don't get that. Yeah, like yeah, I have uh, a joke about that. Shy, shy mean gay. I guess. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't understand the translation though. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Man, that nigga so quiet. He don't say nothing. 
I think he'd be taking dick. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to be, you have to be outgoing to get some dick too. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't Whoa. <laughs> you, right? got a, you got a point. You can't be one of, you can't be a shy gay dude. <laughs> You'll be like, um, I really kind of like you. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> That's um, fearless out here. Yeah. It's like most gay dudes, the flamboyant gay guys, they don't give a fuck. They'll hit on, They'll hit on anybody. But you got to think about it. I just said stand-up comedy made me a little more like yeah. fearless and social. Right. Imagine having to come out. Wow. Like oh, once works, once you're works. out, it's like, shit, y'all know now. Yeah. Now it's just like, I could, I could really truly be me. True, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I applaud the people that come out, man. Like yeah. if the, the reason why I do is based on the fact that for me, it doesn't matter if you're in the closet or you out of the fucking closet or you're in the basement. I don't give a fuck. All I'm saying, <laughs> a person that comes out, it takes a lot of courage to do that, and now they just out there being gay. And there's some gay comedians that's funny as a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you that one dude was uh, at the rocket shop, his name was like Paul or something. Like, they was up there singing. Yeah. That dude <laughs> oh, that dude. Really yeah. 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 And okay. I don't think there's any reason to like dislike anybody because who they like. You know. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, literally don't. As long as you don't slap me on my ass, <laughs> right? we all we all good. I love everybody. <laughs> yeah, as long as you ain't trying to grab man pussy, then it's all good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah we can. It's all good. We could be. Yeah. We could be cool. So uh, ultimately, yeah, the open mic experience is just a lot of fun. I think anybody that um, aspires uh, aspires to do something new. Um, or you you think you might be funny, or you've been told you've been funny your whole life, and you think that you could come up with some jokes, then take a shot at it, man. There there are a lot more outlets out here in Bakersfield for you to put your best foot forward and get some shit done. Yeah. You know, take your family out and tell some jokes. If you don't get one person to laugh at your joke, then go home, write a new bit. If they barely laugh, then go back, write a new bit. Keep doing it over and over and over and over, and until you get good. And shout out to Daniel. It's Daniel Betts, right? Yeah. Shout, yeah. Out, shout out to Daniel Betts, man. Funny, really funny guy. Yeah. Looks like Macaulay Culkin, but he's a great guy. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Daniel's dope. Daniel's a cool guy. What um, I was gonna ask you guys, like, what is? <clears throat> how could you describe like a joke that you thought was gonna work, even if it's you, I don't not necessarily one that you written down or whatever, but you know maybe something that you just thought of on your way up to the stage or something, and then it just don't work. Like, what is that feeling like? Um, I have. Go ahead, man. Well, go ahead. Uh, it feels like a fart, and the reason why <laughs> a, a fart is something that is immediately shameful. Everybody, everybody does it. Everybody farts. But you feel immediately shamed for it. Like, how dare you tell that fucking joke? Over here? That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Uh, had I known he was going to say that, I would have just went first. The bad thing about that, though, is when people fart, it's usually funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> the sound of it, it'd be like, <laughs> like, damn, what you eat, man? So, so basically, if you bomb, 
So if your whole set is bad, what you're saying is you shit it on yourself. Yeah. If you bombed and you got shit running down the side of your pants, running down your leg, everybody can see the shit on your leg, and now everybody knows you shit at your pants, yeah. and now they've named you shit boy, and now you know the shit boy your whole life. It's shameful. Yeah. That's you fun. ever known somebody when you were a little kid and they do something and everybody made a name up after that? Oh, my. I li- So we talking about jokes, right? Mm-hmm. I have a joke about... Mostly in the black community. Yeah. How your past is going to dictate the nickname you have. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No matter what age it happens. So I tell this, I, tell, I have a joke about how my nickname growing up was Boo Boo. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was only a couple days old and, you know, my mom got us dressed up for the Super Bowl party. And some point at the Super Bowl party, one thing led to another and I shit it on my mom. <laughs> Up until I was old enough to take a stand, I was mm-hmm. called Boo Boo. Wow, Boo Boo, come here, Boo Boo. I what, hated that. One name. thing didn't lead to the other. You just shit it on yourself. <laughs> I ain't shit on myself. I shit yeah, it on the, her. The, the the one thing to the other was the shit out of your ass to your pants. That's the only thing. But like, in, like you really will be in the black community given a nickname based on your past. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I still got one. Yeah. This is completely unrelated, but um, you ever been- Eddie got one, too. Uh Oh, Your Um, sister spilled the beans. Oh, little Eddie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She wasn't, wasn't, uh, she was so young that she didn't say little, so she said little, little, but she ran my name together, so it was little Eddie. Oh, one fucking Eddie. name, Little Eddie. Yeah, yeah, but she's the only one that said that, so <laughs> nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> strangers walk up to me saying that I'm not gonna fucking respond. <laughs> nah, but hey, in black church, I don't know how many of you people been to black churches, but black people will get up in front of the church and testify how the Lord has been good to them, right? Yeah, and sometimes people say some wild shit, like they got some wild stories. They'd be like, Lord, I was so, I was just in a really bad time. I was sucking dick for $2. They'd be like, damn. <laughs> and then now that you get a nickname outside of church, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's dick sucker right there. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> you got to be careful. You got to be careful. <laughs> uh, sister, sister dick sucker. <laughs> Mother dick No That's too far Oh, oh. <laughs> Not the one in the front row With the little head Yeah with yeah. the hat oh, I like God. to thank Sister Jackson And Sister Sucker For coming up here today <laughs> Oh man Oh man Alright switching gears That's uh, That's funny though I just feel like I, That's why we love The podcast it's Like It's uh, You just get to throw Stuff at the wall And yeah. then sometimes They really turn into Jokes that you will use A hundred percent Throwing shit at the wall and someone listening is probably driving out of town. I, I keep in mind that people are driving. I, I don't like to ramble too long about certain stuff because I'd be like, fuck, if I was listening to this, would I keep fucking listening? Mm-hmm. Or would I tune out? Yeah. You know, is Eddie boring them to death? Yeah. You know? So I try to keep the tempo up the best I can. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, switching gears. Um, infatuation with celebrities. I, I think Keith has more of a story about this, but I'll give a brief example. Actually, Keith and DJ. I, you were yeah. telling me you guys had went through this recently. Yeah. Um, all I can say is, for some reason, in, in this world, when you wait, reach- let me tell the story first. Oh, sorry, man. Go ahead, dude. Yeah. That so uh, son this of, this this nigga Eddie don't know how to give up control. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but now nah, we we did uh, we were extra on um, this little Netflix movie that got coming out, 
me and DJ went 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 up there and basically they shot um this monster truck scene and then there was like this musical performance that basically interrupted the scene and uh so we for pretty much like 12 hours in a day we were sitting inside of uh or we were sitting in the arena just filling up the stand the stands and um there was like there was you know some pretty high high profile celebrities in in this movie that's going to come out they had uh james corden uh nicole kidman meryl streep and um i think they had like keegan michael i forget i can't i just know him from key and pill but he's in the movie but he wasn't there <clears throat> but so basically um nicole kidman meryl streep and james corden kept walking out of this uh of this um what'd you call it? like, like a hall the, the or, tunnel yeah or the- a tunnel uh this entrance and almost every time that they walked past or they finished something or whatever it would be like people cheering and every time they walk past, it would be, you know, people like Meryl Streep, we love you. Or, you know, like Nicole Kidman, I love you. Or James Corden, how's it going? Like, you know, every single time that they walk past. And I know, you know, for, for us, we kind of see ourselves in those similar lights. Right. So I was just thinking to myself, like, dang, like every time, if someone was cheering for me every time I walk by or saying hi to me every time I walk by, I probably would get tired of it. Right. But yeah. they have to put on an act and act like they, you know, you know, they're appreciative of someone yelling their name every time they walk by. Yeah. But um, it was just weird, like, you know, and even in casual conversations, I was talking to somebody else up there, um, this guy Dylan, and he's a, he's even an actor himself. And I was talking to him, and uh, we were just chopping up, like, hey, man, I didn't know you was going to be here, you know. And he was just like, yeah, man, it's just pretty cool. And he's like, I had, I had something else planned, but why?" He, he said something like, why would I, uh, or how could I pass up the opportunity to see Meryl Streep? And I'm like, what the heck? The like, just to see her. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm I'm here, honestly, because we getting paid, and, yeah. you know, just to be a part something of something. Something to add to your resume. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> it was genuinely people there, like, the only reason they came was to see or to, to be see, close to, to like some them. sort of celebrity. So, yeah, that's pathetic. Yeah, but I'll, I'll let yeah. you finish, Eddie. Yeah, go ahead, DJ. <clears throat> uh, well, you kind of touched on it. What, like, I just can't... It's not in me to be that way simply because, like you said, we we pretty much see ourselves in that light. So the only mm-hmm. difference between us and them is they've already been uh, discovered. Mm-hmm. They've right. already reached that level of success. Outside of that, they are a regular person like me. So... Even when I see people, like I can see someone out and walk right past them, and it's not gonna, it it will be like, yo, that was such and such, but it's not gonna be like, oh my god, hey, can I get a picture? Can I? Mm-hmm. It's like you're still a human, like right? <laughs> like yeah. I seen, like I seen Floyd Mayweather, and he was literally, it was only, it was only us and him inside the, like in the lobby of the hotel room. Okay. Um, and he walked right past me, literally like within like two or three feet of me. The only thing that separated us was like obviously him and his bodyguards. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't like, Floyd, can I get a picture? Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. It was yeah. just like, how you doing, Floyd? Mm-hmm. Just like, how you doing? Keep mm-hmm. it pushing. I just salute mm-hmm. and keep it moving. Yeah, it's like, and you don't even have to, like, it's a regular interaction as if I would, like, you know, if I was in Albertsons and seeing <coughs> right. Mark from down the street. Yeah, right? <laughs> just going yeah. to get my roasted chicken and get the fuck out the store. Yeah. But here's my thing, man. I think... To me, um, it's kind of corny to overreact when you see a celebrity because they get this shit all fucking day. Yeah. Put yourself in their shoes. It's hard for them to even go outside the door without a fucking paparazzi in their face. And then all of a sudden, they can't do regular shit. 
Like yeah. the shit that we do going to the grocery store or the barber or wherever the fuck else, that's where we go, right? Yeah. We could do it with no problem. But The Rock can't go outside his door. His dad just passed away, by the way. Yeah. And he can't go to fucking Rite Aid without the whole paparazzi following him into the store. And then the people in the store want pictures and autographs. Yeah. And then if you say no, they're like, oh, my God, he was being such an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's fucking tired. Mm-hmm. And to make matters worse, let's flip on to the people that do it. The people that are in these like these infatuation relationships with celebrities, it's like they don't have any aspirations of doing much. Yeah. That because if you did, you would you would respect what someone does, but the ability that you have, you're going to be more focused on that. Like, hey, I just seen so and so today. But, you know, that's great. That's awesome. He achieved a lot, but I'm headed that way. Yeah, I can do that too. I can do that too. So why would I be infatuated with something that I'm capable of fucking doing? Yeah. Doesn't make sense to me, man. And like I was telling um Keith the other day, like he mentioned like it said somebody said I just came to see Meryl Streep or whatever, right? Uh who was it? Who's the actress? Was it Meryl, Meryl Streep? Street, yeah. Oh, I just came to see Meryl Streep, bro. Like that's stupid. You came to see somebody that can't help you in any way by seeing just seeing them. If you told me that we have the opportunity of having a guest on our podcast or going to see Michael J. Fox. I don't give a fuck about Michael J. Fox. I'd rather <laughs> do the fucking podcast. Yeah. How's Michael J. going to help me in any way by just seeing him? Yeah. yeah. What's the point? But that's why for me, I probably, no matter how, how big we get, I, I would never change who, as far as like responding to people who are commenting or right. things like that. I disagree though, but uh, go ahead. Well, <laughs> obviously there will be there will come a point where it's like you can't respond to every single there person, but as many as you can, and right. and like taking pictures and just giving some sort of acknowledgement. Because I don't want to, I don't know how do I say it. I don't want to say regular people, but mm-hmm. you know, supporters. That's all they want is some acknowledgement. That's right. like literally they will shut their whole day down just to go to a casting call for fourteen hours mm-hmm. for you to walk out of a tunnel and they scream your name and you just point, not even at them, just in their direction. All, yeah. And they feel like they got some acknowledgement. <laughs> now they yeah. whole fourteen hour day was worth it. Yes, yeah, like, three yes, yeah, three hundred people that probably went home that day, like, oh my gosh, Meryl Street waved at me or Nicole oh Kidman waved at me. Yeah. That's a that's a big deal though. I, you know, as much as like that's it a big does deal though. What'd you say? This nigga. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> this nigga keep the one talking about dudes, man. Hey yo, send pause. Send pause. Hey, New York niggas say pause for everything. Like y'all went to work today. I had a real bomb salad for lunch. Pause. pause. I had a joke about like New York niggas, and the only way they tell you that they like think your joke is funny or whatever is just by repeating what you just said. So, Wait, like what? <laughs> so if you say like, uh, um. I don't know. Let's just say something. Like I had a, some lettuce for uh, some lettuce for lunch. Yo, this nigga said he had some lettuce for lunch, <laughs> b. <laughs> Fam. <Yeah. laughs> Yo, this nigga had his Timberlands on and everything, b. <laughs> Yo, my nigga said he had his Timberlands on and everything, b. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this nigga ate the booty like groceries, b. <laughs> All right. I got <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead, man. What are you saying? Um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh God! You said you was about to go grocery shopping. No. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, but yeah, it's you know, it's just it's just. Uh, I think you know that kind of changed my perspective though, based right. off of what you said. As far as like, um, it, it reminds me of what Todd was saying when we when we went to we went to Todd's office, uh-huh. and he was talking about talking about giving away the hats. Yeah, he was like, I'm not really making no money off of these, but there is some sort of like intangible value that comes with right. uh, giving away this hat to a kid that um, you know sends me a DM or someone that wrote me on Twitter or. Or, or whatever, or someone that like you know commented on my YouTube video or whatever. Um, it's the same sort of thing, I guess. You 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 would think like there's probably a few hundred people in there, and just by Nicole Kidman or whomever being you know just a nice person, even though they had twelve twelve hours of doing the same freaking dance over and over again, they had the energy to say hi. That probably just won over like 150 people and right. that's 150 people that yeah. have probably watched that Netflix movie just because, you know, the actors were nice to them. Yeah, so. some acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just to, I, I've never been a person that was a fan person like that. Like, I could respect someone's work, but I can also, like, look at them as just a person that's successful at something that they love doing. Yeah. Instead of looking at them in this godlike image. There are, there was a chick, I'm not going to say no names, but there was a chick when I was in college that literally bragged about fucking one of the members from Bone Thugs and Harmony. She's like, mm. yeah, we had a good time. We fucked behind the, in the back of the concert. Mm. She was bragging about it because it was a celebrity. Mm-hmm. But had it been just a regular dude that was at school, she probably would never said nothing about it. Yeah. Yeah. If people are weird, man. They'll do anything. And not knowing that'll make you no type of special. No, mm-hmm. you just <laughs> got the same thing that everybody. You just you. City I mean, the city got right. <laughs> you bragging about some pussy everybody's getting. <laughs> vice or vice versa. Huh? She bragging about Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, I know, yeah. but everybody's getting that pussy, not just Bone Thugs. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying that Bone Thugs is not the one bragging. She's oh, they're the not bragging. bragging. They like she giving me pussy, never never making me pussy. First of the month, so ready. So she boned him. Bom 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 bom. See what I did. They finna make pussy juice. They finna make pussy juice. That's funny. All I do is cry, cry. <laughs> Miss my Uncle Charles, y'all. <laughs> she was sucking on my balls. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that went left. Yeah. All right, all right stop talking. All right, sw- <laughs> next, uh, <laughs> switching gears. Uh, look here, man. This is not something that we really wanted to really mention, but uh, we'll get into it. Uh, recently, Antonio Brown got in some trouble, um, but this is all just, we're going to put this all together. And not only that, but Delonte West, uh, first round NBA draft pick uh, from I forgot the year of the draft. I think it was was it two thousand five or some shit six. I don't. I, don't remember. I can't remember the draft year, but Delonte West was a solid <laughs> player. Um, and he's only like thirty six though. He's, huh? pretty, he's still in his thirties, ain't he? Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's still yeah, in his thirties. Still young. Yeah. Um, and he had mental issues and and uh, eventually ended up literally going crazy. Uh, he's not in the NBA anymore. Um, but he was captured in a video getting stomped by some person because I guess he attacked the dude initially or I don't know, but he was talking to himself and this has been going on. The first video of him doing this surfaced three years ago and it just, people just want to show a video of him being crazy instead of actually reaching out for help. 
mm-hmm. like are reaching out to help him. And Antonio Brown has become one of the biggest names in sports, but not for playing sports, for doing weird and having eccentric behavior. So p- mental health is incredibly serious and people don't take it serious. They act like these people are normal. They need to get their lives together and stop doing drugs or they need to stop doing. And it's like you're talking like they're a rational human being when that's not how their brain works anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really unfortunate. But uh, anything else on that, uh, Keith? Yeah, um, I think the the first Delante West video came out years ago. Exactly. Him, you know, yeah. out um, dealing with his mental health, I guess. And it was hard to believe, you yeah. know, you, you, you once see a guy that's, you know, playing on, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and, yeah. you know, he's a really good player and at the top of the world. Um, and then it's just, it's just a, it's a far, 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 far from his NBA days. Yep. And it, it, to me, it, it, does, it doesn't really register. It doesn't really, um, it looks fake. It looks yeah. like, you know, it's a doppelganger or something sometimes when I see him. Yeah. And uh it's but it's up. real, you know. And <clears throat> I think that's that's why um sometimes even for me it it sounds it gets a little repetitive, like with Charlemagne and you know, he's constantly talking about mental health, mental health. Yeah. So it's like, dang, like, okay, we get it, mental health. But at the same time, like there's people out there that really need to hear yeah. what he has to say. And yep. he, he said it on his podcast. He was saying, like, I, I needed to make this change or get therapy or whatever be, before I do go crazy. Yeah, you're right. You know? So, um, yeah, I think it's important. And I, I, one other thing, too, is that um, I, I don't know who mentioned it. I think they were talking about it. I think Skip Bayless might have said it. But he said something along the lines of like, um, when these things start to happen, uh, people start blaming the people around him, like his former players or, you know, Antonio Brown's former teammates. But, um, you know, you can only help someone that wants help. Right. A lot of times, like you can suggest therapy, you can suggest uh, rehab or whatever to these people. But if they don't want to do anything, they're not going to do it. So um, it's, you know, as much as it's, uh, it's up to the people around him. It's it's the the real onus is on the the individual, um, and it's you know it's hard to make someone do what they don't want to do. So yeah, I think um, too. I think that uh, you have to be more self aware and understanding when you are starting to slip into some any type of mental illness, like knowing True. who you are and not being scared to ask for help. Yeah. Just because you want to be proactive and not reactive. Because I feel like in the case of like Delonte West, maybe there was a point early on where he could have been helped and it wouldn't have gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like you, we, we all try to handle things on our own. Like, I got it. I'm good. Like, I'm, this is just a little moment. This is a past. But the next thing you know, it's just getting worse and worse. And then now you do get to a point where people are trying to help you and you don't want the help. And then it's just like, well, I'm not going to help you no more. And the next thing you know, videos are surfacing of, you know, what's going mm-hmm. on. And then drugs get involved. And it just it's just mm-hmm. like a, a snowball effect. Yeah. I, I think the worst thing is I don't want to see a news article of a Delonte found um, unresponsive and so-and-so. And then everybody's like, prayers, prayers. But when he was alive, you was making memes of him. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was yeah. alive, you was so – it was people – it was a dude that literally put in a video of him getting beat up. He put up, uh, he said, yo, that's Delonte West from the NBA getting his ass whooped or whatever it was. I'm thinking like, 
you're videotaping, which is basically it could be attempted murder because he was stomping Delonte West's head. Go help him. Go fucking help him. Break it up. Mm-hmm. We, up. Dude, every ounce of empathy that we had left got stolen by the internet. As long as motherfuckers got their phones out, it could be an old lady getting her ass whooped, getting robbed, and somebody could videotape it. Dang, why they doing that old lady like that? Mm-hmm. How about you use your phone to call the police, you fucking moron? And what What do you get out of it? Because you're not making no money right. you, out of this viral video people, of Delante. People love being first. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care about you know somebody who's affected. They want to be first because they want that affirmation from the likes. They want to have that video resurfacing and uh, being reposted by TMZ. Because mm-hmm. imagine if The Rock just punched some dude, right? Mm-hmm. He punched him out. And it was rumors, but nobody had the video. But one person in the restaurant had a video of The Rock punching somebody out. You know how much money they will pay that dude to get that video? The, but even before then, the guy would probably just post it without even yeah. true reaping any monetary benefits. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But, you know, it's this legalities. It's things in there. Like TMZ, when they post stuff, this is why when I seen the thing with Kobe Bryant earlier, I knew it was factual, and I knew that TMZ was not going to release a certain amount of information that could get them in trouble. Yeah, because that dude that runs it is uh, was it uh, Harvey Levin? Harvey, yeah, that motherfucker is a lawyer, mm-hmm. so he has an idea of what he can and, or what they can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. You know, so he ain't trying to get sued. He probably knew who was on that fucking plane when it first went down. He probably knew everybody. Or whoever reported from TMZ probably knew everything, but they didn't report it. Yeah, let me get all the facts. Like, yeah, they sure. just reported the um, the Kobe Bryant. That's it. They took the most high profile, profile person. And he's an adult. You can't, you know. Yeah. You can only speak so much on children. A hundred percent. And another <clears throat> thing, too, is TMZ is, they're, they're fucking trash to me. Piece of the trash. But I, maybe they may have limits. Did you hear the, um, the there were statements made by the, 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 uh, I don't know if it's LAPD or the fire department or whatever, but uh-huh. the um, the two guys, they, they held a press conference. And in the press conference, the guy was saying that uh, we're not releasing any information until obviously we know Kobe Bryant. Everyone knows it's like a fact. Yeah. But they have to do their due diligence as far as like checking the dental uh, records and yeah. all these things before they can actually um, release the information. Right. So they they basically just say there's what we believe to be eight people that passed away on this helicopter. And then, you know, they're going to confirm it later on, but they were, that that's one of the things that the guy said, he was like, it's just trashed for a family to hear about their, uh, sibling passing away via TMZ. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And then that's another reason why, how you were saying earlier, you want to be, you don't want to be first. You want to be factual. Right. Because imagine, imagine somebody who, doesn't know anything yet and then you hear like say you're a member of like rick fox's family oh my god and the first report you see is rick fox was on the helicopter and died with kobe his family had to reach out and tell them like yeah make sure like wait he was on the helicopter like oh he wasn't okay i just saw no they told them they confirmed and said no rick is fine he's with us yeah Mm -hmm. rick is rick family rick and his family had to reach out and tell them yeah, because see. the internet will kill people for no reason. Yeah. They did it to Bill Cosby at one time. Ice they, Cube. Yeah, they were Bill Cosby when they did it. He's like, "Oh, I'm alive, frazzle snazzle." <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I'm at this bitch's house right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting some pills in the pudding right now. Oh, I gotta go. I think she's falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Pill Cosby. <laughs> Pill Cosby. <laughs> yeah, but they kill people. They killed Carlton from fucking Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. He had to come out and said he wasn't dead. Like, they've been doing this shit before the internet really popped like it is now. Mm-hmm. But um, it just took longer for the story to, you know, be found fake. But now they try it and, it, and it's pretty much squashed really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know, man. It's, we, we got kind of went on a tangent. <laughs> I think we said all we needed to say about Antonio Brown and Delonte West. Just make sure you value your mental health. And yeah. uh, to piggyback off what uh, DJ said, though, he's like, you, you should be more self-aware when your mental health is starting to slip. But I, I think a person with mental health is not very aware of anything. Mm-hmm. I think that their brain is on autopilot and it's about to crash. Yeah. And yeah. they're just along for the fucking ride, man. And I think <sighs> I've seen mental health firsthand with my own mother. And, you know, I don't want to get too in detail. It's pretty sensitive information. I love my mother to death, but she still battle, battles with mental illness to this day. Mm-hmm. And to see it and identify it and see it in other people is it's 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 very it's crushing. Um, but we're behind as a society because we expect normal shit from people that have not been normal in quite some time. Yeah. You know? I think um yeah, it's you don't it's hard to recognize these like there's something wrong with you a lot of times because right. You're just living life and you think that what you're dealing with is normal. Right. So, you know, whether it's some sort of depression or whatever, you just you kind of normalize these things. Yeah. And only through conversations or through, you know, maybe reading Charlemagne's book or yeah. whatever, listening to a podcast that you realize that these 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 aren't normal things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get help for these things and talking about these things can right. uh, benefit you. So, um but yeah, I think that's what happened to a guy like Delonte West. You know, you 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 battling whatever whatever it is, or you know, Antonio Brown. You 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 may have anger issues or whatever it is, and you 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 don't know the actual root of the 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 reason you're doing certain things. So yeah, in yeah. turn, you're just acting out, and you just constantly keep doing that until you know it's, you lose grip of you know your sanity in a sense. Yeah. I, I think that's too why you have to. Well, one for the people, you know, that you're close to, I feel like it's important to reach out just periodically and just ask, like, how are you? And genuinely want to know. Right. Because sometimes that can start the conversation that that person needed to have. Mm -hmm. You should never assume that, oh, Delonte's fine. He's in the NBA. He's making millions. Right. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes that comes with more pressure than Mm -hmm. just being a regular person. Mm -hmm. So you have to reach out. And then for for the people who feel themselves like slipping into some sort of depression or whatever it may be, I feel like you have to start to, well, we all should uh, start to look in the mirror more and try to figure out like what makes us happy. Because mm-hmm. like, I feel like happiness, like literally when they say it comes from within, like that's literal. You can't, your happiness can't be predicated on uh, how much money you have or what someone else is doing. or A hundred percent. Because like if, if I'm relying on Keith to make, to, you know, f- for my happiness, Whenever Keith stops doing or, you know, like yeah. if Keith is like, I don't want to be cool to you no more. I don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, finesse anymore. You removed it. Yeah. So yeah. and it's like I can't be happy on my own. 
like without having that whatever is there. So yeah, mm-hmm. true. That's not even happiness. That's the complete opposite. That's torture. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it, that's a great point that you made because it's it also falls in line with people in relationships where they be like, I want to meet somebody. I want to be happy. Like you already need to be happy before you find a man. Yeah. So if you are not whole and you're expecting someone else to make you whole, once they remove themselves, now you're just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people that have been like that, man. That's also another element of mental health. Yeah. Because you're taking another person to make you whole instead of trying to grow yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're meant, if you, and like you mentioned, you know, people have this idea of their name. He's an NBA. He's. He's good. He's fine. And and then he has these pressures to go along with this already debilitating mental illness. Yeah, you taking care of everybody around you, all right. type of stuff. Like it's yeah. a like it's a lot of pressure being, you know, yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. You got people fucking using you. Yeah. Yeah. That gotta suck. Yeah, man. I'd be thinking only like I'm not a no millionaire or anything, but sometimes yeah. I do get overwhelmed with like people asking me to do certain things. Keith, like, eat my booty. Yeah, girls be asking me to eat their booty. <laughs> Here we go grocery shopping. <laughs> like, I don't and then the it. one girl, she vegan. She want me to shop at Whole Foods. The other girl, she want me to shop at Food Max. She a little bit, she a little bit ghetto. <laughs> oh. Food Max, take it to Why the you sound, Max. Why you sound just like him? <laughs> Food stamps. <laughs> Uh, oh dang! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to the food stamps, though. Yeah, EBT, <laughs> shit, <laughs> bend over, drop that EBT. <laughs> yeah, man, That's funny. Well, um, any final thoughts on that topic, or just in just general? in general, man? Um, I think that all. Wait, let me check my let me check my Palm Pilot. Oh, <laughs> Keith busting up the phone. <laughs> You know it's getting serious and Keith bust out the phone and get them extra topics going. Uh-oh. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, we can talk about ding. the Super Bowl. Oh. What? Or Mostert. Oh, man, that's a lot. It's not that. I mean, it's just a... Okay, we'll story. get into it. Okay. Uh, switching gears. Um, me and Keith are huge 49er fans and uh, our team, the 49ers, will be playing the Chiefs, Chiefs in this upcoming Super Bowl. Uh, but one of the focal points of the game is running back Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert was cut by six NFL teams, uh, has been on seven teams, and did not receive an NFL carry until his sixth team. He was cut each and every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why this this story means a lot is based on the fact that there were constantly people telling him he was not enough. When somebody cuts you, they're saying, don't need you. Goodbye. And this happened six times in a professional career. At that point, you might think, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Let me just figure out my life because this ain't going to work. But he did not quit. Not only did his girlfriend stick by him, but his family and everybody else remained uh, strong and and hoped that he remained steadfast in his journey, which he did. And now he holds a postseason record for the most yards in a game. I think that yeah, I think I think he's number one or number yeah, three. It's like two twenty or something. Yeah, he got two hundred and twenty yards on twenty nine carries, and that's that is just insane. Mm-hmm. But the yards mean very little in comparison to the overall picture. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is the living example of not to give up on yourself. Yeah, you know, and that meant that's what I took from it. 
Uh, what does uh, DJ think about this? Uh, it's literally like like I said earlier when it came to the Kobe thing, as far as like the Mamba mentality, right? Um, and understanding that, like I said, a setback does not mean failure, right? All those times he got cut, those are just setbacks. Mm-hmm. So you know, as long as you keep going, you don't fail, and then you you might end up in a better position just because you have to go through that. Very he might true. not he might not own any of these records or be doing what he's doing now if he didn't if he didn't know for absolute fact this can be taken away from me tomorrow because it already has been six times. So now you now now he's running with a whole different Right. Yeah, like it's like a, like I really got it out the mud type stuff. He's running off like some Patrick Beverly energy. Yeah, like Patrick like, Beverly's playing like he's gonna get cut. Yeah, yeah. And see, when you're a superstar the whole time, you don't understand that. Right. Literally, like like y'all y'all have to get hurt. Yeah, there you go. It's been six times where I was fully healthy and they just didn't want me no more. Oh, so now man. it's like y'all gonna like y'all gonna want me. I'm 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 staying. There you go. You know you know what I was thinking just now. I was like. There's never been a a a bust in the sixth round, or like there's never been somebody's like, oh, he a bust, and yeah. he's a fifth round mm, draft pick. That's a great point because, like you said, something about that that um, that hunger that you have to have that to be a Tom Brady, to be right. a, a, a Mostert, or any of these late uh, late round draft, to be even a Jimmy Garoppolo in a sense, uh, to be one of these later round draft picks to. Um, like you have, you need a certain stick to itiveness to to even make a team. Like right. the, from when you you step onto the field as a as a rookie, it's like um, you you just got to grind just to make the team. The first rounders, second rounders, they got guaranteed contracts. They're gonna be good regardless. But these other guys, it's really a it's really a grind. Yeah. <clears throat> don't you don't you uh, wouldn't you say that if you get into a fight and it's like. I already know I'm a, you know, I already know I could beat you up. Like you're whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't you know that? Don't you feel like it's different when you're fighting that fight versus when you're fighting a fight where you literally like fear for your life? Like my life is on the line right here. Mm-hmm. So now it's like when he's going to practice, when he's going to games, when he is training, when he's doing whatever, it's like this is my whole lifestyle on the line every single day now. Yeah, it's different. I don't have no room for error. No. Like you do everything. You move different when you don't have room for error, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's going to happen, what's beautiful is, is a person that has that mentality is going to have a great career. Even if his NFL career goes, he'll probably take that same mindset into everything else he does. Yeah. yeah. And not to go flip back to Kobe, but you look at how he probably approached fatherhood after he retired. Like mm-hmm. he, he, he approached the game of basketball with a certain level of tenacity. But then once that was over, he was like, I'm going to take that same energy and put it into being a father. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to take my daughter to all these games and all these camps. I'm going to be there for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Kobe had another kid. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's yeah. just it's, it's so much to go with this story. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, Eric Thomas say that it's, it's pretty much impossible to be selective with how you're like that. So mm. his, like you said, like his, like, I guess, tenacity that he had like on the basketball court when it came to playing the game, it was almost impossible to not carry that into fatherhood. Right. And, and what he was doing with the movies and like storytelling and all that. Like it's just That's it's in you or it's not. So, yeah. Some period. people have uh what do you call that? They uh but some people don't it doesn't always it that aptitude, I guess, is not always transferable. Yeah. They kind of uh what do you call that? Uh carp uh carp Compartmentalize, what do you call it? Compartmentalize. Yeah, compartmentalize. Like they'll mm-hmm. have certain things that they just don't 
you know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. really carry over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it does. Yeah. I think if you, you know, part of that is um, kind of going with Kobe is being like an intellectual. I think that could to span across all genres, right. I guess. Like Richard Sherman is going to be good when he graduates. I mean, when, he, when he's done, <laughs> when he's done yeah. playing football. I right. Mean, he's yeah. like, he got a degree from Stanford. Like, yeah. Know, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. These guys would be good without their mm-hmm. professions. Like he would have been somebody without ever picking up a football. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. This guy mm-hmm. negotiated his own contract. Yeah. Richard Sherman and his wife. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's big. That's big, man. That's it's so many you learn so many things by just watching these guys. You know, mm-hmm. him and his wife negotiated his contract. That's why it's so important to important to pick the right mate, too. Yeah. You if you get a woman that just got a fat booty and big old titties, then she's not gonna help you negotiate a fucking contract. Mm-hmm. You know, you just keep dating these Instagram models. They're not going to help you do anything. They're just going to be like, I'm here for you, daddy, whatever you want. I'll eat your mm. booty, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't need you to eat my booty. I need you to help me write the fucking contract. Yeah. That's what I've been, I've been saying that all the time. Like, dumb girls make my dick soft. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sucking it for five years. <laughs> Ain't nothing happening. Yeah, but earlier you... <laughs> You sent me that text and you 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 had the wrong there. <laughs> you gotta write that down, man. That's a joke. I got that. I got that on my phone. Oh man, that's hilarious. I haven't pulled it out yet. Oh man. <laughs> Dumb people won't get the joke though. That's what that's my fear. Dumb people won't get that. Because if you certain you know, certain audience we we performed in front of before Bro, they be just over be their over their head. Bro, they'd be like, I need a woman. I need a woman that knows the difference between there, they are, there, and there. Yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> this is a contraction. This one shows possession. You know? <laughs> White people would be dying. Oh, dang. You'd be like, I need a bitch that know how to use semicolons. <laughs> That's funny. What's a semicolon? I only th- I thought it was only one colon. <laughs> What's a semicolon like in your booty? Like, <laughs> oh, you mean your groceries? You a freak, freak? Huh? No, like, you ain't sticking nothing in my semicolon. You nasty. That's what the white girls do. <laughs> What'd you say, cinnamon colon? Ooh, you want to put some cinnamon in there? Oh, you nasty. <laughs> oh, dang. That's crazy. Some people don't know how to use commas either, though. <laughs> they just have one long ass run on sentence. Yeah, yeah. I seen somebody today that said something. Well, no, it was I can I can't remember when it was. They saying something important though, and I'm reading it. And I'm just like, yo, I'm tired. Can you put a <laughs> you put a period or a comma in this motherfucker? I want to breathe, man. My brain felt like it was doing cardio. Like, <laughs> you use a fucking comma? Would it hurt? Would it hurt you? <laughs> Fuck. That's comedy. <laughs> well, folks, it looks like we came to the end of this one. I'd like to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners <coughs> that tuned in to episode 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna uh, and everyone involved and all the families affected. Mm-hmm. This is Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Finks. We out of here. Peace. One.